Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 107 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Today in the show, we're going to talk about pushing with the new plastic ball, training versus matches, how the ball seems to hit the wood of the blades of Vincent, and Ma Long's incredible forehand. I'm Jeff Plum, and to help me answer all of your questions, and sitting right here beside me today is Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Well, good morning, Jeff. And yes, uh, we're here together today. We are. uh, Episode 107. Indeed, because we're doing some filming last night. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, we did some filming. I've got a little muscle in my neck. I'm getting too old. It's just a worse. Did, did a couple of backhands. We were doing a backhand top spin video, and now his neck doesn't work. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, Alois, yesterday's Pinksilla's question of the day was Do you like playing against long pimples? Well, yeah. And for me, like at, at the start, I hated it. Um, I used to just really feel uncomfortable and like you're unbalanced and and hated it. But I, I remember towards the end, I actually quite enjoyed it. So I um, got to a stage where I enjoyed playing long pimples. I enjoyed playing whether they were up close or whether they were chopping. In fact, I probably preferred playing choppers that played with long pimples rather than um, uh, inverted rubber because you could just tell what was going to be on the ball. Um, with the long pimples, with the inverted rubber, they can you know make some subtle changes and and uh, and try to control the spin a bit. But yeah, I actually enjoyed playing against long pimples more than uh, inverted. What about you, Jeff? Uh, you yeah, yeah, similar. I think when when you first start out and you're a young kid, you don't like all these old guys just beating you <laughs> without playing any fast shots and just doing these weird shots. But yeah, as you get better, you you learn to play against them, and then you do start to enjoy playing against them. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's true. Indeed. All right. And uh, I forgot to select the question, Alex. That's okay. Yes, anyway, let's just... So, um, yeah, let's uh, move on to the Pink Skillers question for today. And that is, what is the peak age for table tennis? And, um, yeah, because we had some interesting results from some recent tournaments, Alex. Yeah, so the Spanish Open and the German Open... Um, the the probably why we put this up there. So um, the Spanish Open um, hurts you when the, the Spanish Spanish guy aged fifty two. Fifty two. Fifty two. That's, that's older than that's you. Older than me. Can you believe that? <laughs> Won the doubles uh, event at the Spanish Open. So uh, like that's an incredible um, effort. But one week earlier, we had Mima Ito, fourteen years old, winning the women's singles at the German Open. So fourteen. 52, that's more than three times. 38 years difference. Yeah, more than three times her age um, having success at uh, World Tour events. So, yeah, table tennis, sport for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, leave a comment. Go to pinkseals.com, click on the blog link, and leave a comment to let us know what is the yeah. peak age for table tennis. So I don't think it's 14. I don't think it's 52. So it's got to be somewhere in between that, surely. Surely. Surely, indeed. Now, Brock um, always has some questions for us, Alloys. He does. And he's got a lot of big friends. Um, <laughs> he does. Where do, you, where do you go to find big friends? <laughs> um, <What about> Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So he says, I have a huge problem. I met a huge player. He's six foot nine, close to 400 pounds, and looks like a bodybuilder. This sounds familiar. He trains strongman training, and his strokes are really powerful and fast because he has huge and powerful arms. Do you have any tips? Uh, no. Just run. <laughs> run. run. It's the fight or flight, and in this situation, it's the flight response. It's flight. You need to run, Brock. You know, like if you're going to, like, even if you beat him, imagine that. Like, you're going to get pummeled into, into like, you know, mush. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Now, on a serious note, though, Alois, being a bodybuilder and being really strong is not necessarily going to make you that powerful, is it? It's no, not necessarily. Yeah. So, like, um, so the, the power comes from both um, uh, strength and speed. So you have to have both of those things mm. to, uh, to generate power so you know just because you're um, got a, a huge muscle mass doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be faster oh, so um yeah so i mean he might be and then that's really scary but um yeah just i mean you, you don't don't be scared just because he's so big yeah exactly all right now um Daniel has also jumped online and asked a question using the Google Q&A app, which anyone can do by going to our Ping Skills Google Plus page. He says, look at you guys together <laughs> and all. Love it. And wondered what, uh, do you guys live far from each other and how long have you known each other and what are your professions outside of Ping Skills? Okay. That's a lot of questions. Oh, Daniel, all right, that might take the rest of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I reckon we live about 60, 70 k's from each other. Yeah, something like yeah, 70 that. 70 kilometres from each other. So that's, um, that's a fair way. So both both ends of um, Melbourne, basically. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Jeff comes in here and we do some filming together, you know, in the shed. Um, so, yeah, that's why we're here together today. But um, how long have we known each other? How old were you, Jeff? Oh, like... Probably 89, you probably first saw me. You were 89? <laughs> yeah, I was 89, really? yeah. Jeez, you know, <laughs> you're holding your age. Um, no, so in, not, in 1989. 1989 uh, 26 years. 26 yeah. years, there it's you go. Tick. Hey. Did we get that one right? We did. And what are your professions outside of Pink Seals? So I do table tennis coaching full-time. Yeah. So coaching in schools and I work with the power program and... Uh, and yeah, a few other bits and pieces. I do some private coaching. So, yeah, what about you, Jeffrey? Um, I work in IT. Um, it's yeah. the website. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, and Daniel also says we need to come out with uh, a Better Days Will Come t shirt. Oh, Better good, Days Will Come. Good suggestion. All right, we might get on to uh, our t shirt companies and, uh, and see what we can do. All right. And, um, Brock has another question. He says he's got a problem. Um, his back end is improved, but I have trouble to block fast smashes into my back end area. I'm a good blocker on my forehand, but I often miss when it's on my back end. Have you some tricks and tips I can try? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's just a matter of um, your positioning. So I know that I was exactly the same. So um, I liked the ball coming to my forehand, so I'd almost turn a little bit this way. Um, to my forehand side and be ready. So when the ball did come to my backhand, it was like I had to react quickly and, and try to cover it with my backhand. So so the first one is just making sure that you're uh, prepared for both sides. Um, the second thing is um, when, you, um, when you are a little bit more worried about one side, you tend to tighten up 
uh, with your grip, especially when, when the ball comes there. So try to remain uh, or relax or just feel how relaxed your hand is when you're actually making that block on the backhand side. And try to compare it to when the ball comes to your forehand. On your forehand, you've probably got a nice relaxed hand, nice relaxed arm. When it comes to your backhand, you might tighten up. So just try to um, feel the differences between those two sides. Yeah, yeah. And I'll put a link up to the backhand block uh, lesson. Just watch that again and try and uh, look at the tips and try and just make sure you got the stroke right. That's interesting, Alice, because I found the backhand block in particular was a bit more natural because... I think it was just more in your line of sight, whereas the forehand one is just a bit wider. So I actually found the backhand block yep. a bit easier than the forehand block. Yep. So, yeah, different players will have, have different uh, responses there. So, um, yeah, so just uh, see, just firstly feel the tension um, in your arm. Yeah, good tip. Good tip. All right, let me move on to the next question. And the next question um, is, well, let's let's just... Have another look at this one from Brock. He's, he's a big, strong guy, I think. We, we haven't seen him, but... Uh, well, maybe he's not. He's got all these big, strong friends. Yeah, maybe he's just like a little tiny... <laughs> who knows? But he wants to know, who would win in an arm wrestling match between you two, and do you think you could do it on the show tomorrow? Oh, uh, yeah. But we won't be together tomorrow. tomorrow. No, and I need time to prepare. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, no, we probably won't do it. Tomorrow, and um, who would win? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, don't you just, just look at that, but I think you meant to do it from behind. Oh, sure. but, oh yeah. Look. Oh, yeah, look at that. Strong. Yeah. yeah, okay. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> who knows? All right. Um, Valentine has asked the question. Yeah. Is it great to see you together? Um, can you explain the effects of the anti-spin rubbers? Also, is a slower, fast table actually a thing? And what are some of the characteristics to look for when buying a table? Also, get well, Jeff. Yeah, my voice is a bit raspy, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Thanks, you know, Valentin. Yeah, stay away with those <laughs> um, Yeah, so um, firstly, the effects of anti-spin. So what anti-spin does is it um, reverses the spin on the ball. So when the ball comes, to, I'll pretend this is Andy spin. Um, when the ball comes into the bat, if it's coming in with some top spin, it'll hit the bat and keep spinning in the same direction. But now when it's going out towards you, it's actually got backspin on the ball. So um, so we might do it this way. So it's coming. Yeah, get out of the way. So <laughs> so it's coming in with some top spin because the. Anti-spin is slippery. It just slips off and keeps going in this direction. So now when the ball's spinning this way, going that way, it's actually got backspin. So basically it, re it um, reverses the effect of the spin. So top spin comes in, backspin goes out, and vice versa. Backspin goes in, top spin comes out. So with a with an inverted rubber, it actually grips. So the ball grips in and kicks out that way. So in and out, whereas with the anti-spin, it comes in and it's slippery, so it keeps um, rotating in the same direction. So, yeah, so that's the effect of the anti-spin. Um, I'm back. Great explanation. Thanks, Jim. So is there such a thing as a fast or a slow table? Uh, yeah, there is. So, um, so it depends on the wood, basically, and the most important thing is the thickness of the 
of the top of the wood. So don't look at the side of the table. So the side of the table, they've often got, you know, like some skirts on it around there. So that doesn't really matter. It's the actual table top thickness. So have a look at that and you'll be able to see that on, on the table. Um, so try to get something at least um, 16 to 20 mils thick. Um, the, the better tables now have got 30 and even more mils. So, um, yeah, so the thicker the top, generally the faster it's going to be and also then the type of wood. But if, you, if you're looking for a table, the main thing to look for is the thickness of the top. Um, the other thing you might consider if you are buying a table is just the portability of it. So um, how easy is it to, to pack up to move out of the way and to store, which might be issues for you. It might not. If you're keeping the table up all the time, then that's not such an issue. But um, but if you have to pack it up and, and put it out like most of us do, um, then yeah, check out the wheels on it, um, how easy it is to fold up as well. Indeed. All right. Thanks for the question, Valentin. All right. Now... There's a few people using the Q&A app now. Jeff. Yes, that's very good. Excellent. Um, so the next question is from Tam, who says, Hi, Ping Skills. What other components to have a forehand like Ma Long? Oh, firstly, training, training, training. training yeah. So, yeah, Ma Long's, I love his forehand. It, just, it almost like every time he gets into a forehand rally, that's it. Like, he wins, and it doesn't even matter who he's playing. Yeah. Um, so one of the, one of the real um, keys for Ma Long's forehand is his leg. Uh, power, so he's always down in a really good low leg yes. position. So his power generates from the legs up through his body, um, and then he's, he's uh, utilizing utilizing a lot of rotation as well. So he rotates really well um, before the ball comes, and then he's using his arm. So it's a really fast arm action. It's really coming through fast, and he's also got the wrist snapping at the end. It's not much with the wrist. But it's all of those components of a big forehand that come together and make uh, Ma Long's forehand so strong. So it's his legs, his arm, his his uh, and his wrist and his rotation of the body that really gets him there. Indeed, indeed. So we've got a, yeah, we've got a, um, a video on the advanced forehand tops for our premium members. Yep. So uh, so we'll put a link on. Yeah, put a link on to there, yes. And um, that is a good point, Alois. We do have a premium membership, so if you're interested in getting better, try out the premium membership. There's lots of good videos there for you, whole series on serving, whole series on receiving, on training. Plus, we have like a 52-week training plan for you to help you get better, and we'll send out regular emails to tell you what to focus on. You know, we break it up into four-week components to focus on different things. So one week, one block will focus on consistency, one on third ball attack, one on tournament preparation towards the end. So, yeah, lots of great uh, videos there. So if you're considering it, you go to pinkskills.com and you click on um, your own My Info and you'll find all the options there. Or if you get to a premium video, it'll say find more information and it'll tell you all about the premium. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have to do that. I've got a free one, very good. All right. Now, um, Vincent Alois has a question, and Vincent says, sometimes when I hit the ball, I can hear it hit the wood. Does this mean I have to get thicker or harder rubber? Yeah, so um, so what happens is that if you have a look at the side on view, so the ball sort of goes in and really sinks into the 
the rubber and it feels like it's then hitting into the wood which is um, which is behind it so there so um, one thing can be that um, you could get a thicker rubber or you just get a better quality rubber or it could just be that you're hitting the ball a little bit too flat as well so um, depends on the rubber you've got but if you brush the ball more so then um, so you're not hitting the ball flat on so the ball's not sinking straight into the rubber and straight through the rubber and into the wood um, it's more brushing rubber and it's got more um, more rubber behind it so so that uh, might be the answer so just a brushing contact will get rid of that uh, woody sound as well so it, it depends on the rubber you're using it so it could be the rubber um, get a thicker sponge or um, think about just brushing the contact a little bit more yeah excellent hopefully that helps you out Vincent all right now the next question is from Wilson who says I've been practicing the same routine, mainly footwork and third ball attacks. During the practice, I can execute the moves perfectly, but I could not perform the same way during tournaments. Do you have any suggestions I can try out? Yeah. So, so again, this is really common. So there's a couple of things to think about. So firstly is um, in your training, uh, when, you're, when you are training, try and put yourself under a little bit more precious or, or different situations where it's a little bit more tournament-like. So, you know, it's easy to, in the practice hall, to just uh, go through your routines and just do them and be completely um, relaxed and easy. Put something on the line for um, when you're doing your, your drills, you know, like in, even just in your head. So um, in your head, uh, say to yourself, right, this rally, I'm going to get six balls on. And for every rally, I'm going to make make six balls. Or if I get six balls on in this footwork drill, then I win the point. If I don't get six balls on, Jeff wins the point. So um, doing that, you then start to put yourself under a little bit of pressure to um, to get the ball on the table and to execute the drill better. So that starts to simulate a little bit more what it's like in a match situation. The other thing with your drills is to... Um, make them more random. So if you know where the ball's coming in your training drills, okay, that's good, and that's good for being able to groove your stroke and practice your footwork. But in a match situation, you don't know where the ball's coming. So there's also the decision-making of um, uh, watching where the ball's coming and deciding whether you're going to play a backhand or forehand, which way you're going to move, um, and then execute your stroke. So by setting up random drills, so drills where you don't know where the ball's coming, um, then again, it's simulating a little, or a little bit closer to simulating a match situation with your drills. So yeah, those two, those two factors are probably the big things that change it between your, your practice and your match situation. Yeah, that's interesting, Alice. And we've done a video um, in the sports psychology section called Effective Training, yep. which um, talks about bringing that training level closer to your Match level. It's an interesting video. I'll put a link in the show notes. So, um, yeah, Wilson, have a look at that video as well. And probably just one other thing is just maybe doing some more match drills. So match drills are drills where you're, you're starting with a serve mm -hmm. and a return of serve and then doing your drill. So even if you're doing a drill like um, forehand, forehand footwork, you could start it. Yeah, forehand, forehand footwork. <laughs> you can start it with a, um, a serve 
So I'm just going to do my uh, pendulum serve. Uh, my partner's going to push the ball over to my forehand corner. Then I do a forehand topspin from there, and then I continue with my forehand, forehand drill. So, so that's, again, something else that's going to get a closer. You're back. Um, something else that's going to get it closer to a match situation. All right. Hopefully that helps you out, Wilson. All right. Now, the next question is from Juresh. Juresh? Juresh. Sorry. Um, Giresh um, says, I'm not comfortable with the plastic ball. My toxin is very good, but the push is difficult. Do you have any suggestions for Giresh? Yeah, I think the, um, the plastic ball does tend to hold up a little bit, so it doesn't bounce through as much, especially on the, the short pushing. Um, so it's just a matter of getting used to that different pattern. So at the moment, your head... Um, sees the ball coming here and it thinks that it's gonna the ball's gonna come to there, but in fact it actually does this. So it's a matter of just being able to adjust to that and coming in a little bit closer to, to make that to make that push. Um, as I said, just just a matter of um, adjustment um, in your head of the flight pattern of the of the plastic ball compared to the celluloid. You'll get used to it. Don't worry. You will, yep. Just keep practicing working on it. Um, uh, Valentin has jumped on and asked another question. Alois, thanks, Valentin, for the question. He says, hi again. Somebody showed me a way to practice alone. It's basically multi-ball, but without having the ball fed to me by another person robot. What I do is I just drop the ball on the table with one hand and then execute the stroke. Do you think it's okay? Yeah, it's okay. Um, you know, it, it's a matter of what... Um, resources you have to you and, and how you can practice. So it's certainly better than not practicing. Yeah, the, the limiting thing with it is that you haven't got the force of the ball coming towards you, So uh, which is different from, you know, a match situation. But, yeah, I mean, if you just want to drop the ball and hit it, drop the ball and hit it, you can do that. Um, but, yeah, you, it's just a bit different because... When, when someone hits the ball to you, it's coming to you at some speed, so there's already some rebound there, so you, you, you need to adjust to, um, to that pace. Whereas if you're just dropping the ball, it hasn't got any uh, force coming into your racket, so it's a bit different stroke. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But, so, yeah, so it's not the same. You don't get the same effect as, if, as a real ball coming towards you. And I guess with multiball so you get to see someone hitting it off their racket and they can generate different spins and yes. things like that so i think multiball's better but yeah if you've got nothing else it's yeah. a good a good option or absolutely yeah. yeah i mean yeah as i say it's better to hit the ball than not i mean the other the other thing is just hitting it against a wall so if you're hitting it against a wall at least the ball's coming back to you uh, with a little bit of speed as well so yeah you can do that just set set the um, table up against a wall um, and just hit into the wall so that you've got, you've got that ball um, with a little bit of force. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the question. We have got a lesson on practicing alone. So. We do. I will put a link in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Let me cue some music to um, yeah. which I tried to do cue before. The, cue, the, cue the music. And I don't know if you can hear that or not. Let me turn up the point. All right, and that wraps up episode 107 of the Ask the Coach show. Thanks very much, uh, everybody. Um, ooh. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Valentin was just saying he does use the wall sometimes. That's great. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Sign up for a free newsletter. Lots of good resources. As I mentioned earlier, you can also check out our premium membership. 
And thank you, everybody, for your questions. And thank you, Alex, for answering all of them. Thank you. Tomorrow morning, we will. Indeed. See ya. Bye. Bye.